This is the Moving Iron Podcast, the only podcast for ag equipment dealers by ag equipment dealers. Hello, and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number 11. On this episode, I'm joined with Matt Hauschel, Remarketing Manager at Wade, Inc. in Grenada, Mississippi. On this episode, Matt and I are going to talk about what he sees happening uh, around the country as well as local markets that he sees down in Mississippi where he's at. Matt, glad you could be on my podcast. Thank you for having me, Casey. How are uh, you this afternoon? I'm doing pretty good, buddy. So before we get started, I always like to get background on on the guys uh, who I'm talking to and, and about their dealership and, and just a little history there. Well, Casey, we are a 12-store John Deere dealer in um, Mississippi. We have seven locations in the Mississippi Delta and five locations through the eastern part of our state. Um, Wade Incorporated has been in business since 1909, um, so we've been been around a few years. Okay. Um, what's uh, did it start out when in 1909, and, and how many stores did it start out with? I mean, of course, one, but I mean, over the years, have you had just a, a recent expansion into your 12 stores, or has those 12 stores been um, the most recent? It- yeah, the most recent expansion has been we acquired Hernando in 2015, December 2015. And then in 2010, they bought four stores, um, which was AgriTurf, which which where I come from. I worked for them for five years or so before I worked for Wade. So most recent, 2015 and 2010, would have been the four-store acquisition. I got you. Okay. So what's a little bit of your background then? So how, how long have you been a remarketing manager and, and, you know, how has your roles changed over the, the course of going from a, a four-store dealer group up to, to where you're at now? Well, I started out in a four-store group, um, 2005, graduated college and went to work in the gender business. Kind of, Worked part-time before I graduated, did a little bit of everything from sweeping floors, putting up parts, got to where I was helping on the parts counter, eventually rolled into kind of like a service clerk deal, and then started selling a little bit here there, and um, really got a good start with the AMS side of it um, when it first came out. Um, did that and kind of um, sold a little bit too over in Columbus, at our location in Columbus, and then in 2010, Wade um went to work for Wade when they bought us out and I went to AMS full time and I did that for about four years full time for them basically covered their whole state at the time it was 11 stores me and another guy did and then roughly 2014-15 all the years starting to run together I can't really don't really know, really go back and look at it uh they offered me the job of remarketing manager they saw that we had a need for somebody to manage our used equipment and keep up with the market and everything else. So I've been remarketing manager from about 2000, probably 14 to now. That's what I currently do. Yeah. And I, you know, Matt and I talk a lot on the phone and, and uh, I, I always enjoy our conversations because our, our uh, areas are so dynamically different. And that's, that's what I like talking to him about there this the dynamics that go on there so what give me a little bit of uh what the crop mix is in your area as far as what you service well we grow corn and beans and cotton rice 
a little bit of peanuts, got some sweet potatoes. Um, one store is really big in sweet potatoes. It's our Vardaman location. Um, of course, we got hay and cattle, some poultry, and catfish. So we got our hands in a little bit of everything. Yeah, so you have a pretty dynamic marketplace. So there's there's always all kinds of stuff going on. Our last podcast, I had uh, Tom Wall from Pape Machinery on, and we were talking about the crop diversity that they had out there. And and <clears throat> you have a pretty a pretty traditional uh, crop mix for for your part of the of the country, corn and beans and stuff, and cotton and um, but rice production that is a that's one of those that I've always found to be very very intriguing and 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 the types of machinery that you have to use. Uh, to, to offer that. So talk a little bit about, you know, your, your rice production and, and uh, the machines that you use to, to produce and, and harvest rice. Well, in the rice production, I mean, they'll plant it, you know, somewhat with a drill. Sometimes they'll plant with an airplane and then they'll come in and, you know, put some levees up. A lot of things going to straight levees now or is straight levees. Um, and they'll, you know, maybe, maybe get to spray it, but probably not. And then they'll flood it. And it basically sits there until it puts the head on. And then they, um, as soon as it starts getting the head filled out, they pull the water from it and it dries out. And then they typically harvest it with a S670 combine, S680 combine. Just depends on what the farmer wants as far as the capacity on the combine, how big they want. Um, you know, it's just rice. I mean, I, I can't really tell you. It's just, it's, I'm used to it, I guess. Right, right. And then your the other one that you had in there that I that I was we were talking about the other day when we were on the phone was your sweet potatoes. So go through go through a little bit of that and how that whole thing works. Well, if you've never seen sweet potatoes grown, they actually um, take sweet potatoes and they'll dig a trench and take a like a com, a buggy with a conveyor on it, and then they'll convey a whole bunch of sweet potatoes out and then they'll cover it with black plastic. And they usually do this in first of March, end of March, April, winter, the weather's going to be fine. And those potatoes sit there and they actually start growing slits, just like a potato in your um, pantry would when you forget about it and you go in there and it's got a little plant coming off of it. They'll grow, grow slits on them and they'll change the plastic out and put some where they can kind of breathe a little bit, and then they'll go out there and cut those slits off, and they'll actually plant those um, slits out there by hand with people riding the planters and people falling behind, and if they skip one or something like that, and then they will come back and um, cultivate them, and then... <clears throat> And then basically the potatoes will grow over the middles and um, then they'll come back and either harvest them with a digger, which is a, like a two-row digger, and they'll convey them up and people are riding on the trailer and they're sorting them based on the size and how, which ones they want. Or they'll invert them and they'll have what they call bucket crews come come out and pick them up by buckets and take them out to the, back to the, to a trailer that's, got all the uh, potatoes riding on it um it's, it's a long it's a lot of labor intensive process they uh plant and harvest 0.5 miles an hour so the ivt transmission is a really big seller over there for us that's that is crazy it's that labor labor intensive that's uh that's awesome but it's one of those things i'd like to come to mississippi just to check out so that'd be uh be all right Need to come and probably in a few weeks they'll start harvesting them. 
I'll come see those crappie you keep talking about. Yeah, we got some big crappie too. <laughs> All right, man. So let's jump into your local market here real quick and kind of get a feel for the economic side of it. Um, I've been talking a lot about auctions over the last couple of weeks here and and um, how are our local farm auctions and, and then the bigger regional auctions, how are those affecting your business right now? Well, I see the local auction or auction in general, whether it's here local or whether it's through Ritchie Brothers or an online auction or whatever, it does have an effect on us to a point, but then it doesn't. Um, a lot of times, especially with a lot more cotton that we have planted this year, um, you got a guy that needs a second or a third tractor. He's usually looking for a cheap, cheap tractor, kind of high hour tractor. Um, and that might, that's where it can affect us a lot because a lot of times we do not have, you know, a six, 7,000 hour tractor that they can use kind of as a third tractor if they need it. We are, you know, got a lot of one year old stuff. Um, that is one place it hurts us. Uh, but on the other side of it, you have a guy that's, you know, looking at your cash flow as far as, you know, leasing. And I we're probably going to talk about leasing here in a minute. But he's looking at cash flow and don't want to spend seventy, eighty, hundred thousand dollars. He'd rather rather do that over a two or three year time span. You know, we still are, can lease a few tractors and stuff like that too. So how is the uh, what what are some of the surprises you see out there right now? I mean, as far as auction go, are you seeing you know markets? So they, in your opinion, do you see a certain equipment group that has uh, come up in value or going down in value, or you still seeing some stagnation um, uh, across the marketplace? I mean, what are you what are you seeing out there as far as auctions go? Well, I mean, we have a lot of our auctions this time of year down here. You don't have a lot of auctions. Um, I mean, I think the next big auction that we're going to really watch would be the one in Sykeston, beginning of August. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of our auctions around here happen in the wintertime. Um, not a lot of big auctions that go on. I mean, a lot of guys that they are going to sell out have already sold out, and their use of their auctions is going to happen in December, January, February time frame. So as of right now, we don't really have any, you know, auctions, big ones to consider as far as locally. Okay. Do you, are you seeing more guys in your area that are um, generationally where, where you're seeing more guys retire than you have probably over the past three, four years? And that's you're seeing some maybe just those sell bills are starting to pile up for the, you know, September, October, November, December run. Or are you seeing pretty much the same stuff you see this time of year anyway as far as sell bills go? 34 well, years out. about a year and a half, two years ago, man, it seemed like, there's a local auction, whether it be in the Mississippi Delta or you know, on the east side of our state. It seemed like there's one about every two days where guys, you know, your older generation farmers had, had I guess, then hit it a lick and figured that's the best they're going to ever do in their life. And they said, well, we're fixing to sell out and go on and do something else, which they very much deserve the right to. Um, or they are actually changing hands and the younger generation is going to take over. Um you know, not seeing that quite as much. Didn't see a lot of it this year. Really, about a year and a half, two years ago, that was really very common down here. But haven't really seen a lot this year. Yeah. So what are some of your, kind of looking at your, across your landscape, what are some of your short-term and long-term struggles that you see kind of ahead ahead for you or in opportunities ahead for you through, through 2017 and, 
and uh, maybe into the first year? Well, I guess you could say uh, I don't really look at it as a – I look at it as a struggle as always an opportunity. That's just my mindset is, I guess, because you're going to struggle and you try to make the best of every struggle you have to make it an opportunity. That is, you know, what I think about, how I think about it. Um, right now, as a company, I mean, we're sitting on a few used combines. Um, I mean, that's a short term. We're coming up within two to three weeks. We'll be harvesting corn down here. Probably got some people going to try it here in the next week. Um, so moving our used combine inventory, and um, hopefully that will help us be an opportunity to decrease our overall exposure and our used equipment um, by trading a one-year-old and getting a little older model in. Hopefully there'll be a lot less money in it or move it wholesale or something like that. Um, that's... Facing us right now is moving our used inventory, our combine used combine inventory. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> that is definitely a, 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 a we're having this, you know we got the same problem as well. It seems like the guys that we're talking to on combines, it's uh, and I said this before, we're kind of past selling the benefits and features on a lot of the stuff, and a lot of guys are just looking at what their true cost of operation is going to be, mm-hmm. and what, what that payment structure looks like, and, and you know. W- the one, the places where we can be creative, um, we're having some good success. The places where um, we're not being as creative, we're not we're not being as successful. But we are, <clears throat> you know, we up here in wheat country. The uh, wheat prices come up dramatically from what it was even six months ago, and so that that's really driving uh, some behaviors. But looking back on that, I also think that there's going to be some some struggles for us. Uh, coming through the end of the year, um, and just because of, of the amount, you know, where these guys are at right now, and and the the debt they have to service, and those kind of things, um, so it'll be it's just it's going to be. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, ups and downs coming through the end of the year. That'll that'll be shocking. I keep hearing about high price soybeans. Um, you, mm-hmm. you hear you hearing the same thing down there, kind of yep. through the end of the year. Yep. Well, another thing too, it, if cotton prices you know stay up, we sell a, a lot more cotton pickers in a year's time than we do combines. You know, it's gonna be hard to get rid of a combine because <laughs> people are going from planting grain to planting cotton. Yeah, you can't use the combine to harvest cotton. Makes it a little tough. Makes it a little tough. Makes it a little tough. So that's that's a good point to bring up. So cotton price has been. You know, it really shot up there, you know, and, and it seems like it's kind of settled back down a little bit. But at the same time, it seems like it's taken off as well. So um, kind of easing, easing its way back up. So do you have more guys that are leaning towards maybe planting cotton again next year? Or do you have more guys that are thinking we're going to wait and see? Well, I'll be honest with you. I think we have gotten – we've gotten a lot of rain Um and I know everybody across the country has gotten a lot of rain too. So what in turn that has done is our cotton crop has not had to put a tap root on to go down and look for moisture. It very, you know, it very has a very very short root. And you mix in a, th- a summertime thunderstorm down here with a good wind, and the cotton plant will be laid on the ground. They'll stand back up, but the problem is if we don't get any of these hot sunny days, when it makes that tap root go down it's going to put a struggle on that plant when it gets some bowls and gets a little weight on it when the time come, comes time to harvest it. So we're hoping we get a, you know, a few dry spells, not too dry, 
I guess you could say it's a catch twenty two. Either we're too wet or too dry. But you know, we need a little moisture but not too much and make this cotton crop, you know, get a tap root on it so to go down and look for some moisture. Yeah. And help with it when it comes time to harvest it. Um as far as, you know, customers, it's just like anything. They're gonna wait and see how this cotton crop does and, and what they can get off of it and what the numbers look like on paper next year. Um, I think we sold, I know I was talking to one location manager this morning, you know, he's talking about getting nine pickers out, you know, new pickers that he'd sold out of that location. And that's, that's, that's a lot of pickers, a lot of work to get done before cotton, you know, cotton harvest starts. Um, but there's a lot of cotton that tell me there's a lot of cotton up there in that part of the world. Yeah. So from a use standpoint, I mean, are you, is your used cotton situation is it's i'm sure it's significantly better today than it was 18 months or 12 months ago well as far as the company as a whole we might have one picker in inventory yeah. we have actually bought some pickers here there and yonder for some from some other dealers and sold them um <clears throat> so we're sitting as far as cotton pickers in inventory we don't have very many as a company which is a, is a good problem it can be a good problem and a bad problem but you're still not sitting there with half a million dollars in a used cotton picker either. Right, right. So, and that's down from what? I mean, how, like say the beginning, the start of the year, how many used pickers did you have? We didn't have maybe two or three. Yeah. I mean, we actually, I don't, I can't tell the number, exact number. We sold 30 or so new pickers this year. Yeah. And all those, all those trades were gotten sold before, I mean, right after, as soon as we knew we got the deal for them, we started selling the trades. And a lot of those machines have been sold as well. Well, it seems like customers now are really concerned about cash flow and risk management more than they probably have been in the past. And obviously because, you know, on-farm income is, is a third of what it was, you know, two years ago, three years ago. So, I mean, obviously every, every penny counts now. Um, how have you used leasing to kind of offset those, those cash flow and risk management conversations? Well, about it was about a year or two years ago, about two years ago probably, or a year and a half ago. Like I said, all these dates, all this time starts running together. Um, we use leasing very, very heavily. It helped us move a lot of inventory as far as tractors and combines. Um, you know, we had the one-year lease at that time, but currently we, didn't, you know, nobody has a one-year lease on them. Um, it helped us use to get rid of some inventory, to move some inventory. And overall, I think it's helped us get in a good actual spot to try to retail some machines. You know, um, instead of the mindset used to be lease, lease, lease. Now we're trying to look at it as we want to retail machines. We want to actually sell it. And, and then when it comes back, it's actual a trade to us and not going to JDF um, as a company. So we're, we still offer leases, but we would like to retail as much as we can because we are a retail business. So you're looking at the the residual machine coming back that goes to JDF. Do you feel like you're in a better situation when you retail that unit or when you when you lease it at the end of that lease well, to, to buy it? Either way, it's off our books. Uh huh. But you know, with deer and and the things they're doing as far as these lease re, lease returns, buybacks, and all that kind of stuff, I mean, we would rather much rather retail the machine out. Right. So that customer actually owns it and has to make payments on it for more than three years or, you know, two years. Right. 
So that's a kind of our mindset. We like to retail stuff, but we will lease equipment. We got a big lease list of combines, and we're leasing a lot of combines. I think we leased seven or eight in the last two weeks. The lease machines that you lease out, are they are they longer-term leases, or are they more two-, three-year type stuff? Two-, three-year type stuff, yeah. usually. Yeah. What, what we, you know, really push. Um, You know, we don't really go over three years very much on leases. Yeah. I used an example the other day. I sent out to our sales staff that where you were taking a three-year lease and uh, running it out for three years, and then you had uh, a... Uh, you know, take the residual and then finance that out for uh, three years on a on a standard just note, you know, mm-hmm. uh, finance note. And so you had a six-year kind of payment structure there compared to a traditional five-year equipment note, you know what I mean, with mm-hmm. JDF. And, and I was surprised to see that there was only about $4,000 worth of difference in payments over the course of six years, a six-year lease note hybrid and a five-year five year note, but it's just the, the cash Mm-hmm. Uh, flow savings that it saved you in the first three years during the lease. So I just think it's it's really coming down to giving the customers options that are going to show creativity uh, in, in the way they get to manage their cash and, and help them through this neck, this this kind of, you know, hopefully we've hit a somewhat of a soft bottom here and we can start heading our way back up okay. and, and, and kind of get this thing turned around a little bit. But I still think we've got another couple years before we really see, uh, you know, we're out of the woods, I guess. Yeah, I, I think I'm like you. I think we're still a couple of years away from. I mean, J, JDF is the owner of a lot of tractors right now, or machinery as a whole. Um, and I think we're still a year and a half, two years before we can get all those worked out. So. Yeah, between if you go out and look on the, oh, I can't remember looking at Machine Finder. I think the other day we're just I was looking at combines and and. There's still a lot of 12s and 13s and 14 model machines out there that are really kind of dragging those those values down as far as, you know, mm-hmm. relative to, to what, you, what you see out there as far as the newer stuff goes. So it seems, yep. like, seems like they're doing that. So <clears throat> well, let's jump into some, some equipment here. Um, here we are kind of rolling through uh, some EOPs and, and, you know, sprayers and planters are coming up and, you know, I guess that ends, ends today, I guess the first phase it does. And, and then there's some uh, combines aren't that far away. So when you look out there in the landscape right now, and I look at like our series sprayers, for example, I, I feels like we have a, have a pretty good uh, uh, sales record on, on those machines right now. It feels like we can bring those things in at a uh and have some pretty good pretty good traffic with the customers that we work with we're a cad dealer so those machines that we bring in seem to have 800 to 1200 hours on them somewhere in there and it feels like Mm -hmm. those machines actually are getting some draw because of the the price being down on them and um you know the overall price of the equipment um is not i mean sorry the overall hours for the equipment it's not um Farmers are not necessarily walking away from those hired units now. They're kind of looking at them because of, of the technology they can get into, as well as you know the newness of the machine. You seeing something similar down your way? Yeah, I mean we're as far as sprayers as company, we're sitting pretty good. Um, 
<clears throat> we got some new sprayers ordered. Uh, but I, you know, like I told somebody the other day, the more that they grow cotton, for some reason we sell a lot of sprayers. I don't, I, I guess they got to make a lot of trips across it. So if you got an older machine, got a few hours on it, they want to upgrade it because they're nothing to put some hours on it. Um, I think in our used inventory right now, we got two sprayers as a company, which that's pretty good for us. Um, you know, I think one's a 6700 and the other's a 4730. So we really don't even have an R2 sprayer, but we're fixing to be trading for some on some of our mud deals that we're doing this year. Right. Um, but I, I don't think we'll have a problem with selling them because uh, I think, you know, we, I mean, down here you have, you know, your, your co-ops and stuff that do some spraying. You have some custom guys, but a lot of the farmers down here own their own rigs. Well, so that helps actually sell a lot of sprayers in this area. Yeah. So they don't, you know, they're not dependent on somebody else to come spray their crop. Yeah. And I, I, we see the same thing up here. Our co-ops are getting, um, the machines that they are running seem to be getting more and more hours on them. And of course they're getting the bigger and bigger machines now, especially the 120 foot boom is something now that they've just kind of the, the R4038 with having the 120 foot boom on it, uh, since they've rolled that out and, um, has, has been a bigger seller for us than even the, the typical, you'd think the bigger machine like the R4045 or, or something like that would be a, a bigger preference for our, for our ASPs. But honestly, it's, it's really been that, that R4038 that's been driving that, um, driving that marketplace for us more than anything similar in your area where you're seeing more of that thousand gallon machine, uh, being well, top seller for you. <clears throat> typically we don't sell anything with 120 foot boom down here. I think okay. we sell one machine as a company. Ours is a lot of 90, hundred foot booms. Okay. Um, machines that we sell, um, they like the stainless, some of them like stainless steel tank. Some of them like the pilot tank, but probably the one of the bigger sellers for us down here, would be the R4023 or 4630. They like that lighter type machine mm -hmm. um, that, you know, you ain't got to worry about getting stuck, you know, when it rains and stuff like that. So we sell a lot of the, you know, well, I think we actually sold um, a bunch of 4630s when they first come out. And the R4023s, they just rolling right into them. But we do sell your 4730s. And probably a forty-eight thirty would be the least that we sell of down here. I got you. You know, equivalent to that. Yep. So, looking towards the end of the year, do you feel like your um, your used sprayer market? I mean, you're going to start seeing some of that stuff kind of come in here as as the newer ones get uh, get delivered here towards the end of the year. Um, that used marketplace, you feel like you have a pretty strong marketplace for the used coming in off those new sales. Yeah, I think we'll really have a good marketplace for them. Um, you know, we still got guys that's going to be running the 4710s, 4720s. So right. still got them out there. So that's some potential customers for us to, to go to and try to upgrade them. Yep. Um, and you know, I, if it's a good clean 4710, there's still a market for it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think we have as many guys call about 10 and 20 series sprayers anymore as, as we do anything else. It seems like a lot of guys that have, uh, pool types in our area. Like mm -hmm. go out and look for that that cheaper fifty sixty thousand dollar something to kind of replace that pool type one if they're going to upgrade. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we don't have a lot of pool type in this area. Yeah. A lot well, of self-propelled machines. You're lucky. <laughs> you're lucky. All right, man. So next thing on that list, 
in that same vein as far as EOPs go, planners. Um, we, I, I'm kind of bare or bullish on, on planners this year. I feel like that's the one machine that we have uh, in our arsenal to go talk to guys about that is such has such a dynamic differentiation uh, compared to what you're trading in and, and that, quite frankly what the uh, – uh, what else what is what we're selling up against? I, I feel like that planter is going to be a, a, a hot commodity. That being said, you look at some of these planters where you're going to be having a hundred plus thousand dollar trade differences, you know, that are going to come through there and, and that to overcome that. But I really feel like if you really understand how that planter works, you know, how the, the exact emerge works or, or just the, uh, the electric system on the, on the ME five E works. Um, I think you got a pretty good planter there. What are you seeing down there as far as planter sales goes, and, and, and what are you seeing as far as used planter sales go? Well, now, when you talk planters to me, mm-hmm. we don't sell a lot of the pull-type planters. We sell a lot of your three-point hitch planters. We do have one location that sells some 1790s uh-huh. um, or 1795s. Um, so when you talk planters to me, I think of a, a three-point 1725, 1720 yeah. planter. Uh, 12 row 38, 12 row 30, three bushel hoppers. Um, I think the market, our marketplace down here is going to be really good on them. We're kind of in a, in a cycle with our guys. I think about three years ago, we sold a bunch of new planters. And coming up in 18 will be the last year of that three-year cycle they run them. They typically run them three years. Um, so this coming up year will be the last year that they run them. We have got a few new planters on order. Um, but we probably will sell a few more by the end of the day because today is the last day for the EOP on them. Um, but I think we're going to be sitting pretty good as far as planners, um, as a company. I think we got two in inventories right now, some, you know, three point hitch planners. Yeah. We're, uh, I think we have a planner in our entire inventory and, 1770 if i remember right but we you know we've got <clears throat> we got plenty of stuff going out there we got plenty of activity on them we got a lot of guys pricing them um we've got a, we've got a fair amount of new ones sold so i'm uh i'm pretty excited about what's happening there and then you know that back end pressure there just like every other thing we do in this job you don't know if you're right or not for the next next nine months or so by by the time <laughs> spring rolls around they, they get that new one delivered and we gotta sell that used one so um, but yeah, so I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty optimistic about, about planter sales. I mean, I am too. I mean, I just, I think, I think guys are, I think the upgrades that deer has done to the 1725s, we're starting to see some, some want as far as, you know, planting corn at that, you know, they got the exact emerge, I think on the 1725s, mm-hmm. um, I think there's some 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 people seeing that. I think we run a prototype of one, and and there's some customers that really like that idea of planting corn. I just don't know how it's going to work with the hill drop cotton that we plant. So, um, that's just one question that I'm sure we'll get an answer to it. So, but I'm pretty 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 excited about the planters too. Um, as a company for us as a whole too. Yeah. Yeah, there's going to be some good stuff coming out of that. I think the used marketplace is actually going to be more dynamic than what what I'm really kind of thinking about. But I worry about the back inside pressure coming in on the used ones we have coming in and what that looks like and what they're going to be trading in on and stuff. Because 
it's been a while since we sold some planters, I'll be honest with you. <clears throat> it's been two or three years of of not very many. So there's a lot of guys out there that have some older ones that are going to be coming in. And hopefully we have, you know, we had one year in there where we sold like 50 new planters, I think in 14 or something like that. So um, we have uh, our 13 maybe even. But anyway. That was on the tail end of that good year. Oh, of, man. Of, of, of the... Of the good years, that's something I haven't experienced in this job yet. <laughs> that was back in the day when you could dial a wrong number and sell something to somebody. It, it was just, <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. It'll get back to that, but it will be, uh, it'll be a little bit before we get back there. All right, so looking back out at the at the marketplace here, so we've got some combines here coming up and i'm always this is one of those places where i'm 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 really looking at, at how that market's going to take and what that's going to look like you know and and you know we have a new model coming out this year um that would be pricing here for too long and um it's got a ton of technology on it and there's some really cool stuff that it can do um and the efficiencies now that you can do with that machine there's that's very much self-automating almost as far as how you set it and everything else and keeping up with your field conditions um, it's going to be a lot of neat stuff out there. Um, but when I look at how we're going to have to trade to move into those things, it's just, uh, it's kind of a crapshoot on, on what that, what that market looks like. Does feel like that the 16 and 17 model years, you know, there's not that many of them to get out there. So there's a, it seems like there's some of a, somewhat of a premium, mm -hmm. um, out there in those machines, but it's still relative to, uh, the price of a 12 or 13 and a 14, you know, um, so what are you seeing as far as combine market goes? Well, I think for us, I mean, you'll you'll know what the combine market is going to do within the next 30 days. Because, I mean, you're going to have people shelling corn and cutting beans down here. I mean, I don't know how far y'all are out from starting. Um, we will about be done shelling corn and cutting beans by the time y'all start, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, we'll know what the market's going to do down here. I'd say, like I said, in the, in the next 30 days. Um, you know, I just think it just depends on, you know, what kind of crops out there. And, I mean, a lot of times down this further south, if we get a uh, a tropical storm or tropical depression, we can sell a lot of combines really quick because those guys want to get that crop out before that storm hits. Right. Um, I think it was in... 2010 2009 down here we had a bunch of rain and i can remember we were over in columbus i was working in columbus at the time and uh a guy from cleveland that i work with now he was calling us every day asking if we got any combines because they were basically as soon as one guy to get finished they'd come write a check and pay for the other one and take it to another field to get it out yeah um but i mean that's all depending on the weather i think the market could be good in spots and bad in others it all depends on the crop and you know what the mindset of that that farmer is and what he you know what he feels out and is out in that field um you know i i think we'll think we'll be fine we just gotta gotta move some of them yeah what are you hearing right now as far as any kind of like early yield reports does it seem like there's going to be a, a fairly decent crop or is it was it kind of hit no one really knows yet until they get in the field type deal. Well, I'll tell you, we it's kind of been odd down here this year. Um, we've had 
the perfect weather to grow a corn crop and not so perfect weather to get a cotton crop started because we were very, very wet after they got planted and, you know, corn needs a lot of moisture. Um, I mean, the corn's basically probably been made already. If it hadn't, it's been very, very close. We got a lot of guys down here that haven't even had to water their corn not one time. Maybe a few of them had to water it once, but I think they just wanted to turn it on and see water flow into it. Um, but it's been cool. It ain't been really, really hot up until the last week and a half down here. I mean, I think today the high is 95, but it's about 100% humidity. Very, very hot. Um, but the corn has basically been made. and I think there's a lot of potential out there for a good corn crop coming from the south. Um, I mean, every field that I've drive by, I mean, I, you can't look at the end, the end, the end of the rows because that's usually the biggest here in the field. But you talk to a lot of guys, and I actually went out to a guy and was talking to him about some stuff, and we went out and pulled a few eyes out in the middle of his, and the ears look really, really good. I mean, they filled out really well. Um, he, he he's pretty optimistic about what kind of corn crop we're gonna have down here. Yeah, here. So, here it just kind of depends on where you're at. I mean, some places have gotten good rain, consistent rain, and then there's some places that haven't gotten much of any rain. So we got a fairly wet spring. Um, so, but going into summer, there's a lot of folks that haven't had any any real moisture for quite a while, and it's been hot down out here, hot and windy and typical Kansas summer. So um, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting for us to see how things work out. But we put a lot of double crop soybeans in after wheat harvest this year so it feels like we could have um depending on how you know crops come out and those kind of things but we should have a, i feel like our combine marketplace could actually turn around quite well for us coming into uh coming into the end of the year now uh, i think i kind of feel the same way you do about ours i mean we got <clears throat> beans are the same way they probably going to water them a little more down here but i think that's going to help you know as a whole and there's been a lot of beans, soybeans planted too, down here. That yeah. you know, they planted a lot of cotton, planted a lot of corn, but they planted a lot of soybeans too. Yeah. So you're gonna have some guys that's gonna figure out, hey, I gotta get these beans out of this field. I might need another machine, or at least another machine from us or something. So I, I think that's gonna help. They just gotta get out there and get in it and see how it's going before they decide that. Right. So when you look at your your cattle marketplace, is that are you seeing some life there that that was maybe maybe not have been there, you know, maybe a year ago? Uh, somewhat. You know, as far as that span of tractors, you know, we sell a, a good many of those tractors, but a lot of time those tractors, you know, that guy's gonna buy them and and he gonna keep it for eight to ten to twelve years. Um, we've sold quite a few of them to some cattle guys, but I, I think, I mean, the market's, you know, pretty good. Um, you know, as far as the hay, you know, cutting hay and stuff down here, I think they've had pretty good weather to cut it other than it's been you know, kind of wet at the beginning, but I think they're getting, you know, going to get a substantial amount of enough hay for the wintertime down here. So. Yeah, it's, uh, <clears throat> we're seeing the same thing too. I mean, it feels like the cattle market is, is kind of, it's kind of working working through its, it's little bubbles here and and um it feels like there's those guys have a little more optimism than they've had in the past um in our our tractor sales you know we got a big deal with the state of kansas as far as mowing tractors and those kind of things go so those things come back in on trade we're trying to 
we market those back to you know the used cattle guy and kind of like what you said we don't have very many guys that come buy a tractor every couple of years or every year whatever they're going to take that machine they're going to put five six seven thousand hours on it and uh you know run it for two or three years or five to eight years and, and then look at look at trading something off so yeah yeah we, we kind of had the same deal with state of mississippi as far as them having some you know some tractors to sell we worked through those pretty quick was pretty pretty happy about with those and some of those those, those did end up with some cattle guys you know adding some loaders to them yeah very yep. drive tractors and those guys seem pretty happy with them yep but you guys order those in so they're loader ready when they come back that's exactly right we order yep. them loader ready when they come back and you stick your loader on there yep. go at it that's how we do it too we load we kind of we spec them out the way we we need to have them spec so we can we can resell them and they're all loading you know having something loader ready is really a an absolute must when you start selling those tractors no there's no doubt especially for the end user it's gonna yeah. be using, they're gonna want a loader yeah not to me those guys don't want they're gonna buy something like that to not not be a loader tractor yep all right so let's take a look at the macro level here so talked about your your local marketplace so looking out towards the end of 17 as far as the overall economy goes what do you see kind of big picture kind of across maybe the whole southeast and and maybe your your region what do you see happening down there well <clears throat> i think it all depends on with harvest you know if we have a good harvest i think i think things would be you know beginning this year you had some farmers that that were kind of singing the blues but i think you know with getting the corn planting it looks as good as it does and bean looks as good as it does and even with cotton might be struggling a little bit but i think it's going to turn out fine i think you know, if we can get it all out, I think we'll have a you know a fairly good shot in the year. I think it's you know a lot of farmers down here are, are really anxious to get out in the fields and get all the stuff in just to see what they got. Yeah. And um, you know it and I know it. If they make money. They're gonna spend a little bit of money. Yep. Whether it's upgrade a machine or or do some service work. So I, I think we're gonna be fine. Um, some things that we're trying to do as a company. You know, we just want to try to keep our uh, age use inventory down. We really concentrate on things once they hit 270 days old as a company. Uh, like I tell them, I said, you know, I, I don't like birthdays. The only birthdays I like is when my wife has a birthday and my kids have a birthday. I don't like when a tractor or combine or anything has a birthday because that's not good. Yeah. Um. So, but I think as far as a company, I think we're sitting fairly well as far as our use inventory. But it's it's a... As I say, it's a steady work in progress. You got to keep working at it. If you don't, if you get relaxed, you're going to get behind. If you get behind, it's going to have to work even harder to catch up. Yep. So you got to stay on top of it. It's amazing how little a machine cares about if it stays at your place or somebody else's place. <laughs> it doesn't doesn't really care. And that's exactly it. I mean, staying on top of those things and, and, and watching them and making sure that you've got processes in place and 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 contingency plans and and all those things kind of worked out moving into uh into each selling cycle that it really makes a world of difference about how how long a machine sticks around and and how your sales staff even portrays those pieces yeah <clears throat> i know i know a lot of our salesmen have gotten really really good about them about communicating between each other whether they're email or text messages a lot of times they'll go look at this and they'll ask what their their counterparts what they think about it and then 
of course, I'm the the one that it, you know I don't set the value on it, but I help set the value of what I think it should be. And of course, I'm usually always the uh, the bad guy in the bunch because I'm always the lowest. But like I tell them, I'd rather be the lowest guy than being really, really high. And you put a bunch of money in it, and we stuck with it for a year. Because then you're really not gonna like me. Yeah. <laughs> I always uh, say I'm the uh, I'm your conscience speaking. I'm the guy, you know, I'm the guy that's gonna make sure that you don't make too much of a mistake and keep the emotion out of out of the uh, transaction. Yeah. You gotta keep the emotion now, there's no doubt. Because if you get a emotion attached to it, you're gonna put everything you it's worth plus some in it and then you're gonna be really be in trouble. Yeah, the uh the rose colored glass effect really takes takes a hold and does some amazing things to people sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So well, Matt, I, I think that uh, we got a pretty good feel of who you are and who who uh, Wade Inc. is, and and um, you have any closing thoughts uh, out to everybody on the internet before we uh, shut her down? Uh, not really. Just all I can say is good luck and get after them. That's right. <laughs> all right, man. Well, I appreciate uh, you being on the podcast, and you've done a lot of good stuff for me over the years. And if there's ever anything I can do for you, give me a shout. All right, sounds good. All right, Matt, we'll see you down Thank the road. You, Thanks, buddy. Right, Bye-bye. That's going to do it for this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. I'd like to thank Matt Housel of Wade, Inc. for being my guest on this episode. Remember, if you want to continue any of these conversations, you can hit me up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or you can send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com. This podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud. So until next time, let's go move some iron. This is Casey Seymour, out.